Uninvisible is a support podcast that deals squarely with medical issues that present unique advocacy issues for individuals. We do not provide medical advice. Please consult with your physician for any medical issue that you are facing. Information and comments that you send to us are governed by our terms of service and privacy policy, which are available on our website located at uninvisiblepod.com. The opinions expressed by guests are their own and are not necessarily the opinion of Uninvisible or the show sponsors. Any advertising that you may hear is accepted without regard to our editorial content. Welcome to Uninvisible. I'm your host, Lauren Friedman, and I'm here with my guests to bring you info, insights, and inspiration for coping with, diagnosing, and treating invisible illness. We're here oversharing, so you don't have to struggle with invisibility anymore. Okay, guys, thank you so much for joining us. I am here today with Keisha Graves, who is the founder of Girls Chronically Rock. She's going to talk to us about that. She's also going to tell us about life with limb girdle muscular dystrophy. So Keisha, thank you so much for joining us. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Oh, it's such a pleasure. I was so thrilled when you and I got in touch because what you're doing is so awesome. And uh, I I thought we would just start from the beginning here. If you could tell us when and how you first realized that you had something going on health-wise and what steps you've taken to control and manage symptoms day to day. Sure. So when I first started to get symptoms regarding my muscular dystrophy, I was actually in graduate school. So I was in probably my early 20s. And so it wasn't even something, say, I was born with. I still don't know to this day if possibly it could be something in, you know, my body as I was born. We never know what's going on in there. But Mm. anywho, I noticed like I would be walking and my leg will kind of just buckle buckle and like kind of give out on me. It was kind of like weird. Like it happened once before. So I'm like, whatever, just brushed it off. But then it just happened repeatedly, like back and forth repeatedly. And when I fell, it's like I was unable to get myself back up. It wasn't like, oh, boom, I can just like I needed assistance. And sometimes like more than one person to just get me up. It was like I was like a dead weight. Wow. So my mom and sister noticed that and they're like, you know, I think we should probably go see a doctor, like maybe an orthopedic because, you know, we're thinking maybe it's something like within the feet. So I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, you know, still not thinking anything much of it. I'm like, all right, let's go. No biggie. And so we um go to, um we go to Tufts Medical Hospital, which is out here in Boston. So then we go see the doctor. And then so as I'm in there, two doctors kind of come in. And they just kind of examined me. They looked at me. They told me to like raise my right leg, raise my left leg. And like the legs would not cooperate. Like they had to do it themselves, like bring the leg up. So so yeah, pretty much I'm like, oh, still like not thinking anything of it. They like kind of look at each other, both doctors like, like, wow, like this is, you know, weird. So then they tell me, I think you need to see a neurologist because something's not, you know, right. They're like, you know, I think it's more like neuromuscular. So I'm like, okay. So then I go see my primary care. So then she then referred me to go see a neurologist, which is at my Auburn Hospital in Cambridge, where I live at the time. So then I'm like, all right, still like not thinking anything much of this. I go to my Auburn. We do several testings. We did blood work, EMG, EKG, MRI, where they, you know, test the whole like, you know, x-ray when you put the whole body in. And that was pretty interesting. That was my first MRI. They're pretty stressful if you're yes. not happy in small spaces. Yeah. Yes, that's true. Because she did ask me prior. And I was like, oh, okay. I was like, I'm fine with that. You, and you sleep. don't know until you're in there. But right. yeah, yes. I fell asleep when I had one too. But I think a lot of people get really anxious when they're Yes, in there. I could imagine. Yeah. So I'm just like, okay. And then they took a piece of muscle biopsy from out of my leg, that muscle 
to kind of determine like what was going on. And so from that muscle biopsy, that's when they determined that I had muscular dystrophy. So at that time, I'm like, what is muscular dystrophy? Never heard of it. Nobody in my family seems to have it. So I'm like, you know, what are they talking about? I'm thinking maybe like they had something wrong. I'm like, what? So mm-hmm. then just like, and at that time I was in graduate school. So that same day I got the muscle biopsy. It's like, I couldn't even really attend class that night because I was in pain. It wasn't like this was a pre thing. It was, I went to the doctors that day. He's like, Hey, you want to do a muscle biopsy? We'll take out a piece of muscle. That's pretty much what it was. So like, treating it like it's no big deal. That's yeah, pretty invasive. Like, exactly. <laughs> so I'm there, um, awake while this muscle biopsy is going on. I see the piece of muscle and everything Whoa. coming out of my leg and then I'm in crutches. So then I'm like, I couldn't go to school. So then of course, you know, I had to tell my teachers and everything what was going on because it's like, you know, they had to know. But still at the same time, it's like I still wasn't processing everything. Every time I went back to the doctors, you know, I just kind of was thinking maybe she was going to say, oh, you know, like, oh, that test result was wrong. You know, you don't have muscular dystrophy. I was just thinking everything. So I was total in denial for quite some time. I mean, I wasn't really telling friends. I wasn't telling family. Was Was it even explained to you what muscular dystrophy was at this point? It it was, but still it was kind of like I wasn't processing it. And then it's like, I still was like, what is that? What are you saying to me? You know, so it's like, you know, and then of course we go online, we go do our Google search and our own research. I'm seeing all this other different stuff. What is, what's that? Like, you know, mm. they it progresses over time. It's, you know, progresses, it gets weaker. And, you know, it's like, it affects all of our muscles. It affects the respiratory and, you know, the lungs, the breathing and everything. So I'm like, whoa. And then it also, you know, affects like the heart and everything. So for me, for instance, I go make sure to go get an echocardiogram once a year at the hospital so yeah but I was total in denial I wasn't saying much and at that time then you know I was able to walk on my own I walked with like a waddle and then I um started walking with cane and even when I went on job interviews with my cane I would tell them like I sprayed my ankle or I was in a car accident that's interesting yeah like I had like that's how much in denial I was I was saying everything but I'm like oh I was in a car accident I sprayed my ankle but it also it brings up that that issue of like when, if you're planning to tell your employer, when do you tell an employer right. that you have a chronic illness and they may have to enact certain, uh, you know, protocols if anything happens to you? I mean, there's that aspect of it, but also there's the aspect of total discrimination when you're walking exactly. into job interviews with a cane, I'm sure, which is yeah. a whole nother thing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's like, that's, I was saying everything, but, and so I'm like, um, yeah, you know, and they just kind of, you know, went along with it, but it's like, you know, even especially I worked in the retail field because I went to school for fashion, got my master's in business. So it's like, I was doing merchandising at the time. So it's like, eventually I had to tell somebody because it's like, you know, they would want me to go in back stock downstairs, you know, to get merchandise and things like that. And that's things I was unable to do because if I tried to do that, it was going to be even worse. So it wasn't even till like I started writing my first blog like a few years after on Tumblr. And it was like, it took for me to start writing out like my symptoms, like how I'm talking to you now, like, you know, I was falling. And it's like, it took that moment for me to say, wow, I have muscular dystrophy. Like it took that for me to write that and not what the doctors were saying, you know, never mind yeah. them. Yeah, absolutely. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about what muscular dystrophy is so that sure. in case so they muscular, don't know? Sure. So muscular dystrophy um, is a progressive um, muscle diseases, different types. Um, for instance, as you mentioned earlier, my type is limb girdle muscular dystrophy. 
So, and then there's also SMA, which is spinal muscular atrophy. And then there's Duchenne. So there's like different types where it may affect different parts of our bodies. My limb girdle affects pretty much, I tell people my, my whole body, pretty much my limbs all the way down, legs, like pretty much if I was to see you or put out a handshake to kind of give you a handshake, like it's kind of difficult for my arms to reach out to give you that handshake. So it's like you pretty much would have to like pull my arm, even like to give you like a hug, that's kind of difficult and things like that. Getting dressed for me now is like a challenge. So that's why I have a personal care attendant you know, that, um, you know, helps me get dressed and things like that on a regular basis. So yeah, it's a progressive muscle disease. It gets worse over time. Um, my type, you know, I was able to walk without mobility for quite some time, but then over the years, you know, I started walking with the cane after the cane, then the walker. And then starting last year, January, 2019, that's when I finally got a wheelchair. Mm. And that was a big challenge for me. Cause I was like, Oh, I would never get a wheelchair. I don't want that. That means that's it. And it's like, now that I have this wheelchair, it's like, independent you know because mm. like not getting tired where if I used to walk with a cane or anything I was just like you know out of breath like I'm like I can't make it where it's like now my wheelchair I pass my family and friends <laughs> you know yeah. I'm zooming around so it's like and then of course my my wheelchair I decorated it of course with pink and <laughs> yeah and like hey I have to you know so it's it definitely gave me more independence so it's like I'm not walking so much and it's like now I knew what uh, other people, you know, have said in the past, like, oh, yeah, and you're really going to be better. And I'm like, what do they mean? But now I, I get it. Where Are you in the wheelchair 24-7 now? Um, pretty much. I get up if I'm, like, going to use the restroom. Like, I would wheel it into my bathroom. I would stand up, use my walker, and then position myself onto the toilet. Same as, like, when I'm going into the bed at night. I have my PCA assistance, but I get out the wheelchair, to, um, you know, position to walk to the bed. Right. So, so yeah. it is, it's interesting because it sounds like these mobility aids have become more of a, visually a part of who you are as your understanding of your chronic illness has developed over time. It's sort of like your awareness has expanded with the size of the mobility aid, if you will. Right. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. It's wow. True. And now is it common for people to be diagnosed like you were as an adult? Yeah, so that is common. So I find once I came out of my denialness, as mm. if you want to call it that, it's like, you know, because some people had told me at that time, like, oh, you should reach out to others that have muscular dystrophy, reach out to different support groups. But at that mind, it's like I wasn't even listening to them because yeah. I'm like, why would I be a part of something that I don't have? Mm. You know, it's like that's how much I'm like, you're so silly. Why would I talk to somebody that have muscular dystrophy? I don't have that. <laughs> Yeah. So it's like eventually it took some time. So, you know, thank goodness now for social media, just hashtagging, say muscular dystrophy, hashtagging disability awareness, hashtagging chronic illness. I've connected with so many other individuals that have muscular dystrophy. And on social media, there's like um, limb girdle, muscular dystrophy support groups. So yes, I have found other adults that were diagnosed in a later age like I was. And I'm like, oh, wow. So it's not just me. Mm. So other people I have met and they're like, yeah, I was diagnosed. You know, 20s and then it's like as I tell my story they went through the same thing with the same symptoms with the falling and they're like what's going on and then you know it gradually just progressed and I'm like wow so this just seems to be a recurring you know yeah. thing with some people and then some people do have it from you know like from small from age right. like when they was born but I I am grateful like I say that I was able to go to college when I did without you know, mobility, I'm just thinking like back then, like how I used to walk up and down the stands in my dorm dormitory with bags of groceries and all my stuff in high school, 
walk all the way up to the fifth floor, you know? And it's like, now I would not have been able to do that stuff. So I'm like, wow, it's so crazy that you never know what's going on with your body. And it's like, you kind of just never know yeah. what's going to occur. Do you think having lived in a, an able body for the first 20 odd years of your life and then losing your mobility was perhaps even more of a shock than it would be for someone who's dealing with something that is also chronic but doesn't affect their mobility you think do you think maybe there is an element here of like the grief was perhaps even more compounded because you went from total ability to needing assistance all the time yeah no I totally it's so funny you bring that up because I was planning on writing a blog about that Mm. where it was like I was gonna title it like grieving the person I once was if that makes sense because it's like you know here I was driving you know my my Toyota RAV4 going on about my business going to work you know not relying on people like my PCAs because I'm very like a particular organized person too so that was just a challenge in itself just to get PCA help Mm. you know it's like oh my god now I feel like sometimes I don't know where things are and you know, it's, I mean, it's a, it's a lot, you know, I wasn't dealing with PCAs from small, I w- was able to drive and do my own thing. So yes, I definitely feel like it was a big thing. You know, that's yeah. why I think my whole mindset, I was in denial and things like that. Cause I'm like, whoa, like I was just walking like last yeah. pretty well. So it's like, now you're telling me I have muscular dystrophy. So that's a huge change and a huge adapt. But sometimes I do just think, man, remember the days I was like thinking yeah. to myself, used to get in the car and I just think about like little things you know so it's just like yes I definitely plan to blog about that Mm. what about in terms of awareness of your mortality as well because we know this is a progressive disease as you said it's not just something that affects your muscles it also affects your heart it affects other organs in your body how has that changed your relationship to yourself um yeah just pretty much I kind of feel like over time it's like I kind of feel like as I tell people my family and friends is Like, this is something that's out of my hands. I can't control this. I can't say, oh, muscular dystrophy. I can't, like, say, block it on social media. Like, how I would do if someone makes me upset. Or I say, oh, I'm done with this. Like, no, this came onto me. I didn't ask for it. I didn't go looking for it. And this is something, like, I got to deal with. I can just take it day by day. Right now, there is no cure. There's no treatment. Only really treatment is really exercising. So I do physical therapy. Of course, right now, with the whole COVID-19 going on, you know, I was going to the pool, you know, very happily excited to get back into there. Cause in the pool, I feel like I'm a mermaid. I can do things in the water that I can't do on land. But of course now they shut that down, which I totally understand. Cause I wouldn't even probably have gone if they kept it open, you know, just to be safe. So when that opens back up, I will get back into the pool. But right now I'm just doing exercises, you know, at home that I can, cause of course I have limited mobility and just doing what I can and just taking it day by day, continue to check in. Like Monday, I have my first, um, virtual appointment with my neurologist from Brigham and Women's out here. So I'm excited to chat with him. And, you know, because right now I'm just to back up to with my limb girdle muscular dystrophy. So a lot of people don't know too, there's like different subtypes within the muscular dystrophy. Like for instance, there's limb girdle 2A, 2B, where it defines and more goes into particulars within your body. So for me, as my doctors say, I'm like kind of a mystery. We don't know my subtype to this day. We have taken several testings, blood work, genetic to saliva tests, and none of them, they all have came back inconclusive. Once, since I don't know my subtype, but my limb girdle, I cannot enter any clinical trials. 
because without them knowing oh. my type, I can't answer uh-huh. that. So I'm the type. I'm like, oh, who cares? I was telling my doctor, let's what's what could happen? You know, I'm like to be a guinea pig. If you don't try it on me, how are we gonna know what works? And they're like, you know, Keisha, yes, it's easier said than done. But they're like, if we were to try this clinical trial on you without knowing your subtype, you can possibly grow a third eye. That's what they said. I was like. Tell me that's not actually true. No, I mean, I a third eye might not be the worst thing. <laughs> I was like, oh, whoa. I was thinking maybe a tummy ache. You know, that <laughs> you know I have a high tolerance for pain, but like, oh, whoa. I didn't think it was that extreme. But I'm like, then again, Keisha, this is why you're not a doctor. This is why this yeah. is not your profession. So I'm like, wow, it just sucks. And that's another thing where I'm so grateful for social media because there is actually a support group on social media, Facebook, and it's for limb girdle muscular dystrophy for subtype people unknown. So wow. it's not just out there. Yeah. So there have been people like this guy has never knew his subtype from like the time he was small. Wow. So you're yeah. not alone in that, which is Yeah, I'm not alone wonderful. in that either. I'm just like me. And so I can't even, I think just hearing that too, that was a shocker too. Like, so I can't even enter a clinical trial without knowing my yeah. subtype. So I can't even get to part B. So I have to figure out part A first. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So- it sounds like you have sort of flown through this experience medically with a great attitude. And I, I'm wondering whether you found that you needed a personal advocate at any point along this journey and, and whether that's impacted your relationship with whoever you've relied on. I would honestly say, I think I'm my own advocate. I think the only person that has, you know, I may have had like friends that have suggested at that time during denial, like, Oh, reach out to, people that have muscular dystrophy and stuff like that, like that was, which was great advice. But at that time, I wasn't even accepting the fact that I had that. So I'm like, why would I talk to some other people? So then when I eventually came out of that, that's when I first reached out to say the Muscular Dystrophy Association. I was like, hey, do you guys have support groups? And then I just, you know, but still it was kind of like, I opened the door, but not fully. Mm. I just like cracked it open. I think that was the first step of me reaching out to that muscular dystrophy so once I did that, then I just, you know, it just gradually came upon myself. But I would think I was honestly my own advocate with like going to doctor's appointments, writing down the questions I may ask and, you know, things I wanted to know and et cetera. And I love now with the whole social media and with some of the doctors out here in Boston, like you can now, you know, communicate with them and send them messages through like we have something out here called like my chart. And, and yeah. I love it. It's so convenient, especially if I need a prescription refill. I'm like, hey, can you do that? So it's kind of like. Yeah, that's, I think I'm my, my own advocate, honestly. Yeah. I also love, it's nothing like talking to somebody. Like I tell people, yes, you can support a family and friends, but there's nothing like talking to somebody who actually gets it and living with what you're living with every day on a daily basis. So I'm so grateful that, you know, on the social media, like they may have a suggestion that I don't. They're like, oh, well, ask your doctor about this. See if they tested you for that. So I do like that. And I'm like, oh, wow, I didn't hear that. Because, you know, let's be honest, not all doctors know everything. Right and over there is going to say something different than my doctor here and I'm like wait why is he saying that but he's saying something different so it's like yeah so I definitely like that support group where they have the suggestions and you know so I definitely had got some advice from off of there as well that's wonderful so what does a typical day look like for you now how are you balancing the demands of your work and your life as you're managing symptoms I know you've got a PCA you mentioned yes so tell us about that Yeah. So, I mean, I just honestly take it day by day. I pretty much wake up. Like I tell my family and friends, I'm like, I'm just trying to make it from the bed 
to the bathroom without having a fall, without losing my balance and then having to hit my lifeline button. It's like once I make it to step A, it's like I gradually go from there. But I'm still like to be a planner. I always like to plan ahead and like to get things done. So it's like, yeah, I pretty much get up. My PCA helps me out the bed. I go about my business, go to the bathroom, I go in the shower. And then when I come out, my PCA, you know, assist me get dressed. And I would come out, get um, enjoy my day, get some breakfast, possibly, you know, some coffee, depending on the day, never know what I'm going to feel like. And I open up my computer, think about what I'm going to work on with my business, social media, of course. And then what I tell people a lot is honestly, it's like what has kept me sane all these years too and keep me going is I love seeing the support of, you know, people on social media with telling me like, oh, I love what you're doing and things like that. That keeps me going. But I also love, I'm a TV fanatic, so I watch a lot of shows. I'm with you. (laughs) Yes, I watch a lot of shows because it's like just looking forward to watching someone else's like reality life or just like, I like a lot of funny stuff. Like for instance, like the family Jersey Shore family vacation. I like watching that. <laughs> it's entertaining. You know what I mean? I love watching different things. And then I would watch like say 911. I watch Netflix. So it's like, I watch like a range, but it's like, that's something I look forward to. That's really how you take your break yeah. from reality. It sounds like. Yes, exactly. Yeah. This episode is sponsored by Ember Labs, creators of the Ember Wave, the intelligent bracelet that helps control how you experience temperature. I'm heat sensitive, and this device has been a lifesaver. Using patented technology, it cools or warms the temperature-sensitive skin on your wrist, creating a natural response in your body and mind that helps you thermally adjust in minutes. It was selected by Time Magazine as one of 2018's best inventions. For those of you with mounting medical costs to consider, the team at Ember offer a payment plan in partnership with a firm. And because you listen to Uninvisible Pod, they are offering you $30 off. Go to emberlabs.com, that's E-M-B-R labs.com, enter code INVISIBLE30, that's INVISIBLE30 at checkout, and experience personal thermal wellness on a whole new level with me. So have you been in a situation where, I mean, I know you mentioned that in the early days of your diagnosis, you would go to a job interview with your cane and say, oh, I sprained my ankle. Have you been in situations where you've been confronted and forced to justify or validate the fact that you had your illness to other people that basically a situation in which you weren't believed? Um, yeah. Oh, meaning like in a job environment, not necessarily in a job environment in any kind of environment, just something where you had to convince someone else that what was real was real. Yeah, I definitely did. And I mean, and that's now that I think of it, that happened, like, say, sometimes when I was at a job, when I may have gotten the job, but then working with some employees, like in the retail store, when they had asked me, oh, can you pick up this box? Can you pick that up? Where it's like, I had to say something. You know what I mean? I'm like, well, I can't lift up this box, you know, in my head. So I'm like, I'm either going to try to lift up this box, hurt myself some more, or I'm going to have to tell them what's going on. So yes, as I did have to eventually be in that position to say that, I'm like, you know, I have to tell you guys something, you know, it was kind of like, you know, and it's like, it was mixed emotions. Cause I'm like, I'm saying it out loud. Are they going to accept me? What are they going to say? Are they going to fire me on the spot? You know, well, if they, they do, it's discrimination. Yes. So. Yeah, exactly. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just like, I'm like, what is going to happen? So yes, I have been in that position where it's like, I had to say it, but like, I wasn't like saying, like announcing it, like how I am now to you. Like I told people, if you had asked me a few years ago, oh, do you see yourself? speaking at different um, engagements, sharing your story, I'm talking on podcasts or, and I'll be like, no way. Mm. I'll be like, what I be, what would I be sharing my story about? About what? <laughs> about like, yeah. you know, cause I didn't have it. Anything what the doctors were saying. So I'm like, no way. 
So it's like kind of nice and proud of myself to see what a long way I've become. And I still tell people, you know, I still have my days, you know, don't get me wrong. It's still not some days I wake up, I feel super fatigued. I feel tired. I may have a fall and my leg might want to give out. And it's like, that's something out of my hands as well, you know, but it's like, I just, it's like kind of like my body's immune to it. I'm not saying it happened. I'm happy it happens, but it's like, you know, I still have my days where that, that map that might put me in like a damper mood. But then yeah. it's like in my head, I'm like, oh, but I got that show coming on later. And it's like, and I'm looking forward to that, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You're finding the positive, which is so important. Yes. Do you think that you've also possibly experienced undue either prejudice or privilege one way or the other in the healthcare system as you've been navigating this diagnosis? And I mean this in particular as it regards self-identity. So in other words, because you're a woman of color, can you see your circumstances maybe having been different if you presented otherwise? Oh, you know, I never thought of that. I'm just kind of like, kind of just, I don't know if I like to say naive, but just kind of like, I would hope that, you know, me speaking out will be the same for everybody else and vice versa. But, you know, you made a good point because sometimes that's not always the case. Well, statistically, we know that it's not the case, right? Yeah, that's why I ask because it's, it really is what we're seeing in terms of discrimination in the healthcare system is absolutely an epidemic and absolutely a health crisis. But yeah, I'm wondering if you've seen that reflected in your experiences, but if you haven't, then that's a great sign. <laughs> yeah, I have not, not that I know of, you know what I mean? So it's like, not as, yeah. as unless I've been like, so oblivious, like, you know, like, oh, you know, but it's like, yeah. Well, I, I wonder not. if it's also because you've been in Boston and you've had access to, well, Boston and surrounding areas, you've yeah. had access to some of the best doctors. It's not like you've had to travel very far to, right. to get to the good specialists and right. everything. And not like I wouldn't mind because yes I told people yeah Boston were known to have the best doctors but it's like mm-hmm. don't get me wrong if some doctor from like say Dubai or India says that's his special medicine and would like to try and gonna pay for me to come there like I will be more than likely go because not oh all, yeah I have heard that from other places where some neurologists in different places have said something totally different and then I would go to my doctor's appointment here and I'm like oh, I heard such and such said they got tested and they got this. And they're like, oh no. And it's like, you know, why? Yeah, well, it's that that opinion that, well, we see this with doctors sometimes. There are some doctors out there um, and, and they're, you know, the the sort of odd ones out because so many doctors are so wonderful, but you know, there are the odd doctors out there who um, do think that they have all the answers. (laughs) So it's hard for them to be told by an educated patient like yourself, (laughs) you know, to look deeper at something. Yes. It's so true. You nailed it. It's like, they're kind of like, if I don't know about it, why would you even act to me? (laughs) They kind of have, you know, it's so true. And it's like, no, you don't know everything Mm because I have brought you some information. (laughs) absolutely yeah well speaking of that can you tell us given your experience what ways the healthcare system here in the U.S. is working for patients and maybe any ways that you've experienced that it sort of falls short or requires improvement um so I can speak for like you know here in the Massachusetts like right now I have like Commonwealth Care Alliance where my insurance I would say like I love it and I like how they have, they personalize me with like a care manager where I can talk to and communicate with her where if I need prescriptions refill, if I need a certain this, is the insurance going to cover that? I just kind of like that communication and they actually have something new called member voices where they invite patients to come in and we have like a meeting and they kind of just say like, what can we do to improve so it's better for you guys? Like for instance, this letter, what could be better, more detailed and explain in this letter or 
transportation wise and I have been to a few of those meetings because I've had several things to say regarding letters and especially transportation why I felt like they lacked up because especially when especially when I got in my wheelchair I felt like the, the van was never available and when I was in my wheelchair and I'm like you're making me feel like I'm like I'm not good enough. Like they the regular cars when I had my cane and stuff, and now that I'm in the chair, I can't get a ride to my doctor's appointment. So that's something I'm still ongoing with them. So I'm glad that they gave me the voice to speak and to tell my truth and you know to say what's going on. But then it's like in other things, it's like for instance with my prescriptions, it's like they're for totally free. Like I don't have to pay for no any co-payments or anything like that. Where again, when I'm on these different support groups, like say living with muscular dystrophy. I hear all these different things about like how the insurance didn't say cover this prescription, how they didn't cover the wheelchair, like this wheelchair I'm sitting in right now cost like over, I think $5,000 and I didn't wow. have to cover anything. So it's like those things I am grateful for, but then it saddens me like, why is it not like this everywhere? And I'm not saying like out here in Boston or the insurance company is perfect because they're not, they can get better, you know, but I am grateful when I hear other stories and I'm like, that's awful. Like, they're in a situation where they have a disability. They didn't ask to be that way. Why would they have to come out of pocket for a wheelchair? Yeah. They didn't ask. They didn't wake up like, hey, can I get that muscular dystrophy? No, that's not how it was. You know, so it's like those things I still, I do think about, but I'm grateful for the insurance I have, but I'm not going to say like, oh my God, I have the best. And, you know. Well, I like, think Massachusetts yeah. is known to be a state that that takes very good care of its yes. residents. And it sounds like you're also enabled and right. encouraged to be an empowered patient as well. Right. Whereas you might not have that experience somewhere else. Yes, that is true. Yeah. So why don't we get into your advocacy work? Your advocacy work sort of spans multiple channels because you're working yeah. with the, multi uh, the Muscular Dystrophy Association. You've got Girls Chronically Rock. Can you tell us all about the work you're doing? Sure. So um, I was a former muscular dystrophy um, ambassador, Massachusetts ambassador, where, you know, I was so grateful for that because that's when I got more involved with the MDA, aka Muscular Dystrophy Association. And so, you know, I would just do different speaking engagements with them. I would love working with the firefighters because a lot of people don't know the firefighters raise a lot of money for the MDA. They do like fundraising wow. events, they do like beer wine tasting. So they're just like so awesome. And that just really made my heart melt because I'm just like these firefighters already put their line already you know their life on the line every day for a fire they never know what situation they're going into and it's like for them then to take the time to raise money and go out on the street and what they call it is fill the boot so that's like how when they put the money in the boot that money goes towards the MDA so that just touched my heart when you know I see those firefighters so I just love working with them going to different events for the MDA and then you know of course I got my undergrad in fashion design and merchandising from Framingham State University so I always knew I had a passion for fashion of course and I knew I always wanted to be a business owner and an entrepreneur so after I you know came out of my denial a little bit you know after graduating from graduate school I was like you know it's time to put my degree to use and it's time to, time to put my passion my dreams that I wanted to pursue to fruition and you know I was like you know what I'm a true believer in things happen for a reason at times. Maybe this is my way, my platform to create a business, but then also able to share my story, to inspire and motivate others. Cause from what I can tell, there's others out there just like myself. So I honestly was lying in bed one night and I thought, girls chronically rock. It's like, I knew I wanted something with the word chronic in it, chronic illnesses, but I didn't know exactly how I wanted to incorporate all of it together. 
I just love that you you made a choice from the get-go to include people other than yourself, you know, that like right. you are thinking bigger than just muscular dystrophy, which I think is really exciting and it shows yeah. a commitment to the whole community. Yeah, yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. So yeah, that's when I thought of the name Girls Chronically Rock and I'm like, I like the way that sounds. I like the way it flowed and I just kind of ran with it. I first started off with selling um, t-shirts and stuff off Etsy. And then I was like, you know, it's time to launch and create in a website. I think that'll be look more clean, more professional. And that's when I launched my website. So for those that don't know, Girls Frankly Rock is a clothing line. I have different t-shirts with inspirational quotes. Um, Girls Frankly Rock is one. I also have Everyone Loves Hello. My name is Chronically Ill Badass. <laughs> um, I also have recently launched a new one, Trust Your Abilities, where I kind of like that because it's kind of like trust, trust and believe in yourself, no matter what you're going through no matter what you may be dealing with, if you have an idea or if you want something to accomplish, you know, just go for it, you know, because before you know it, it will be up and running. And I also have walk with the twist, which I like because I'm like, we all may walk with a walker. Okay, we walk with our own signature walk, you know? So I know <laughs> like it. So it's like, I was like, I like that walk with the twist. So it's like, I plan to do so much more with Girls Chronically Rock. Right now it's t-shirts. I have a kid's line, Kids Chronically Rock. I have one hats, some tote bags, accessories. I plan to eventually come out with the Girls Chronically Rock Adaptive Clothing Collection. Wow. Because, you know, people don't understand how sometimes it takes so long for us to get dressed. Yeah. On a regular basis. Like, when my friends want me to go out, I'm like, you gotta let me know in advance. Mm. You know, it's like, it just takes time just to put on the t-shirt. And this is with help. You know, it's like, I gotta put in warm making sure I don't lose my balance, holding on to something. So it's like, it takes us so much time. So, and I'm so glad that a lot of designers now in the fashion industry, like Tommy Hilfiger, Target, Target now came up with adaptive clothing um, collection. So it's like, it's getting more awareness. And I'm glad that more designers are realizing, wow, adaptive clothing collection could be for everybody. Mm. So I'm so glad for that. But yeah, I think- And they can look good too. It doesn't have to exactly. look like disability wear. Yeah. Exactly. It's cute, functional and- I love it. So yeah, I plan to make Girls Frankly Rock into a movement, but also build it into an empire. That's my goal. I love that. I think it's just so exciting that you've, you have, you clearly have such a positive attitude. I mean, so much of what mm -hmm. you've said today has got to be so inspiring for everyone tuning in right now, because you're very much like it's out of my hands. And, mm -hmm. and I think that conscious understanding that this is not something you're in control of. So you're going to focus on the things you can control is a huge realization for a lot of us in our lives, regardless of yeah. ability, disability. But, you know, it is something that when you're handed a chronic illness, it takes a long time to adjust to that realization. You've gone through that process and you're handing that inspiration on to other people. And I think that kind of paying it forward is exactly what we all need in this community. And it's just so exciting and positive right. to see. Yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's lovely. So we're sort of sailing into the tail end of our interview. And okay. I wondered if we could close out. I like to close out with a couple of top three lists. Okay. And the first one is I'm wondering, and I feel like you're going to have good answers for this. No pressure. <laughs> we'll see. <Yeah. laughs> I'm wondering if you have top three tips for someone who I, maybe they suspect something's off. Maybe they've been diagnosed already. They're living with chronic illness. What would you recommend for people who are in this chronic illness world with us all? 
For my recommendation, I would just um, speak on like what helped me for myself. I totally get that, you know, especially if you were like myself where you was able-bodied before and then all of a sudden this thing just comes out of nowhere. You're like, whoa, where did you come from? I would definitely say like um, with this whole social media hashtagging, chronic illness, um, hashtag say whatever you might have, muscular dystrophy, hashtag lupus, hashtag MS, and you'll be surprised of what a range of people come up. I'm like, wow. And now I love on social media, Instagram, you can now follow the hashtag. So whenever someone puts the hashtags or, you know, post a picture, then you're connecting with somebody new that you haven't already. So I would definitely say, you know, reach out to, you know, hashtagging, see what comes out. Just when you'll be surprised of, you know, just writing a message to somebody like, hey, I've seen your post on Instagram or Facebook. I see that you have this. I have that as well. And, you know, I'm newly to this. I'm totally surprised. How did you deal with this? Are you, you know, just and you'll be surprised because I have done that and people have done that to me. And. You know, it's like I get excited when they write me, not happy that they're dealing with this, but it's kind of like I get it. I was, mm-hmm. I was there. I, of course, I'm like, do I want to reach out? Do I have muscular dystrophy? It's like all that was going in my head. So it's like you'll be surprised that I'm glad that we now have that range on social media where you can connect with others. Because like I continue to say to people, there's nothing like talking to somebody who actually is dealing with something you're dealing with. Because then, you know, you kind of feel like some kind of comfort, and then you have that person you can call on. So. Definitely reach out. You're, the person will be happy that you reached out to them. Trust me. Yeah, that's that's a great tip. I love that. So like reach out, seek community. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Okay, that's one. What else have you got? <laughs> um, one, what's another one? I would definitely try to keep yourself busy. Like kind of mind off of it. As I mentioned, like I love to watch TV. Mm. Like TV keeps me sane. I know a lot of people are like, what? Like to watch Netflix, Hulu, watch a show that makes you laugh. Like I like watching mm. the Kardashians. People are like, oh, why do you like watching them? I love them. I think they're entertaining and they they give me life. (laughs) Different. And some people may just want to watch YouTube. Maybe some people might like to watch other inspirational stories that's something they're dealing with. Like, wow, look at her. She's doing what she has to do. Let me, you know, she motivates me and maybe think of a new project or a new idea just to keep yourself busy and off of things. I know it's more easier said than done, but it helps and you know, it takes time and I get it. Yeah. And you might so, give birth to something like girls chronically rock, which yes, is super yes, you exciting. Never know. <laughs> you never know. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Anything else? Any other tips? Um, I would say for me, another thing is to realize, like, just kind of take it day by day. Mm-hmm. It's not something, it's kind of something out of your hands. This is not like say a common cold where some people be like, Oh yeah, you're being over-exaggerating or, you know, until then, not in our bodies of dealing with something like a chronic fatigue illness, they can't comment. This is not like something we can take Tylenol for or some green tea. I'm not saying that stuff yeah. I would take, you know, if I have a cold, but it's like, just take things day by day and realize something, your new life and connecting with other individuals may help and just kind of take it day by day and just kind of just keep going and think positive and say, hey, you know, I'm here not like, oh my God, I'm sad and depressed. I'm not saying that, but it's just kind of take it day by day and, you know, things will get easier. Yeah. I think that's really lovely. What about one last top three list? Top three things. I mean, you sort of mentioned a little of this already, but top three things that give you unbridled joy. I'm sure you've had to make some adjustments in your lifestyle, right? Since you got your diagnosis, but I'm wondering about top three things that 
you're unwilling to compromise on despite any changes in your lifestyle. So this can be guilty Ooh. pleasures, secret indulgences, comfort activities. Um, I know you've already mentioned Love and Jersey Shore and the Kardashians and things. So maybe maybe it's your TV shows, you know, but three things that like make you super, super happy that you turn to. Uh, Yes, well, definitely. Yes, I would say my TV shows, um, they can be a range of different things. Like I said, mentioned Keeping Up with the Kardashians and then I watch the Disney Channel. Like I'm happy Raven came out when I'm Raven's home. (laughs) So I would watch that. And another thing, I mean, I love to snack. That's my problem. I love chips. I'm That's like, not a problem. They're delicious. Exactly. <laughs> they are. And I love like the Doritos and I like a lot of hot and spicy. So I love chips. And then another thing I'm obsessed with is I love pizza and I like to eat it with chicken wings. And they have to be buffalo chicken wings. Like on top of the pizza or like on, on the side? Like, but on the side, yeah. That's Those that's how you get your ranch them. dressing on the pizza, yes. isn't it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I know how you're doing this. <laughs> it's all strategy. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, I love that. My, oh, just like you know, and of course I know, of course, about eating healthy, and you know, I'm trying to get back. But there's nothing wrong with cheating, having a cheat day, and treating yourself. But yeah, if I order pizza and some buffalo wings, that is something I'm like excited about. I'm like, <laughs> You guys, I wish everyone, this is like the one thing about having a podcast. I wish everyone could have seen your face when you just said how excited you get about the the chicken wings and the pizza because Keisha's face lit up and her little eyebrow just sort of spiked up there. You know, she loves that pizza and chicken wings. It makes her very happy. (laughs) I do. I I love that. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with everyone who's tuning into the show today? Um, I would definitely say like, you know, if you have an idea, if you have something you would like to create, I would say go for it and start, you know, before you know the business will be up and running and you never know. There's so many different um, social media platforms like Boston Business Women, I'm sure there's business women in all different states and cities where you can connect with and just kind of ask questions and you can, you know, have your idea or possibly even partner with somebody off the social media, but just like maybe having something that occupies your time, I think will make you feel a lot better as well. I love that. I think that's really lovely. Can you tell everyone where to find you as well? Sure. So you can find me. I am on Facebook under Keisha Graves. I am also on Instagram, Girls Chronically underscore rock. And then of course, check out my website at girlschronicallyrock.com. And then please feel free to send me a message, DM me and ask me anything. I'm, I, I respond. <laughs> yeah, you, you do definitely. And also look out for the adaptive wear yes. as we uh, move into the future of the brand. Yes, definitely. Keisha, it's been such a pleasure talking to you today. You're such an inspiration. That positivity is like, I'm soaking it up. It's (laughs) starting my day off right. So I can't thank you enough for- Thank you for having me. Oh, it's a total pleasure. You're an absolute gem. And uh, I look forward to continuing to follow your journey and and watch where Girls Chronically Rock takes you and the rest of the community. I appreciate that. Thank you. That's it, folks. Thanks for listening. As always, please check us out online at uninvisiblepod.com and all over the social media world at uninvisiblepod. We love your feedback and suggestions, so please drop us a line via the website if you have questions, ideas for topics to cover in future episodes, or just want to say hello. We're all about relationships and collaboration here, so credit where credit is due. Music for this episode is by Sean Hart, who can be found at seanhart.com. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts.